Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Digital Switch. I hope you're all doing well. How are you, Sonia? I'm doing as well as I can be. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> well, you know, I think um, uh, these are certainly interesting times. And um, without going into details, I think um, what we really want to do is we want to continue having these great conversations. Um, uh, you know, even during these times, I think everyone's aware of the the outbreak and the lockdowns and all the other good mm -hmm. stuff. But uh, but you know, we we certainly think that it's a good time to uh, continue with all things normal, and uh, this podcast certainly is one of them. Exactly, and we're we're very lucky we have the tools that can keep us on track too. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. Why don't you tell us who we have today? Well, this week we have Praveen Halati, Piranova's head of product, on with us. Actually, Praveen is a repeat guest. Uh, he was on one of our early episodes, episode four, where we discussed removing friction within financial institutions. So if you haven't heard that one, definitely check it out after this. Um, we are really excited to have him back. So thank you, Praveen, for joining us again. Sure, I'm excited to be here and a quick shout out to our marketing team. Uh, come rain or shy, uh, sh or rain or snow or outbreak, um, <laughs> they have to keep their schedule and they will chase us down. <laughs> we know where you. We know where your desk is, Praveen. <laughs> no, but uh, hey, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, I think last time we spoke, it was probably uh, a good several months ago now. So I think that's uh, right. That's uh, right. Personally, I'm really excited to hear what uh, what uh, you guys have been up to and what we've been doing on the product side of things. So uh, again, thanks for making the time. So let's just jump right into it. Um, today, we want to talk about data governance. And we know that this is a pretty uh, important terminology. And also, it's a, it's a pretty uh, important area in, uh, it, with regards to data in general. And, and of course, um, it couldn't be more true than it is in the financial industry. So we thought we'd bring our uh, expert uh, uh, data governance person in-house, <laughs> Praveen, to tell us uh, what we need to know. So let's start from the top, Praveen. Tell us what data governance actually is. Yeah, certainly. And I think uh, data governance is a term that's been very prevalent recently. Um, uh, there's many definitions, and uh, I usually uh, am not the brightest um, in class, so I like to use the simple definition. So uh, one definition that I like, uh, which is pretty simple to understand yet accurately uh, captures the meaning of data governance is it's the capability that enables an organization to ensure um, that high quality data exists throughout the enterprise through the complete life cycle of the data. So you have uh, uh, lots of data floating around the organization, your transactional data, your master data, your reference data, um, your market data, um, you have data that's derived, you have data that's raw. Um, so the capability of an organization to ensure that um, the quality of this data um, is very high. Um, as data flows through the enterprise, it gets enriched, transformed, and so on. Uh, you know, how do we, how do you ensure that the quality is high? And that's that's effectively um, the aim of uh, of data governance. Um, that's what I, I, I refer, 
I like to think of as data governance. And this applies to any organization, any industry vertical, whether it's healthcare, finance, media, manufacturing, um, technology, um, any, any other, any vertical. That's great. So I'm just going to try to offload uh, all the great things you just mentioned. So it's basically a set of policies. Is that correct? Um, policies is one thing, um, and uh, but there's other other facets to um, data governance. So um, and then you know just to add a little more color to why data governance is so prevalent today, we have to think of uh, um, you know how uh, times have changed, how technology has matured, how there's new opportunities for viewing data in an enterprise, right? So. Nowadays, uh, if you listen to any CEO or CIO or CEO, they want to treat uh, data as an asset. Um, uh, what does that mean? So it means it's uh, it's something that has value. Um, so if you have an asset and it has value, then you just don't leave something valuable lying around the house. So similarly, um, if you have data um, and you think that it's an asset, then you want to ensure that that data is safeguarded. Um, you want to ensure that the data has a designated owner. You want to ensure that how that data is handled is governed by certain rules. And the, this is where um, you know policies come in, right? Because uh, that data is valuable. So you want to make sure that you handle it carefully. Um, when you change it, it has to go certain rules. So these are these are governed by the policies that you mentioned. Um, and then uh, in order to safeguard this data, you also have uh, data stewards who will um, ensure that these policies are created and implemented across the data assets. Um, so there's, uh, again, uh, to go back, there's, there's, there's uh, a few different um, facets to data covenants. Uh, data ownership is one, um, policies is another one, um, and then controls is yet another one, right? Who owns the data? Um, where is this data? Um, where can I find this data, right? The location of the data in the enterprise. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the most important questions, you know, can I really trust this data? So, uh, you know, if I know that data exists in X, Y, and Z locations, I know who the owner is, but I'm not able to trust it, then um, the value of the data is limited. So, you know, all three of these questions need to be answered uh, mm -hmm. appropriately. So diving even a little deeper, when we're talking about data governance, uh, I've heard there are two models, active and passive. So what's the difference between the two? I think that's a good question. Um, so um, active and passive data governance. So let's start with passive data governance first. Uh, what some organizations follow is a model whereby uh, data is uh, created within um, you know different systems and different sort of touch points in an enterprise, and then at some point in time, maybe um, at a later stage in a warehouse, um, is when uh, you actually um, enforce certain rules. You implement some rules and then assess quality of that data. Um, to me, uh, that sounds like a passive mode of operating because this particular uh, activity of ensuring that data is of high quality is done um, um, not as a continuous activity as data is created and transformed, um, but it is 
um, done somewhat as an afterthought uh, at the end, maybe some sort of uh, rules engine or profiler that runs uh, off a data warehouse um, at the back once data has flown through you know, 60 or 70 different systems. So that's more of a passive model. The active model is, uh, in my opinion, um, uh, more effective when it comes to uh, getting the most benefit out of data governance. The active model uh, dictates that um, you control data quality at every step of the process, right from the point when data enters your ecosystem, um, at every touch point. Um, um, and that's where you have rules. So let's say you have uh, uh, an order being entered uh, in an order entry system. You're not going to be waiting till the order reaches a fulfillment system in order to check whether um, the data is of high quality. So you're going to have certain checks uh, done at the order entry system. And then at every step as the order flows through the system, um, you know, various checks are made, maybe inventory checks or customer checks or accounting checks, um, what have you. Um, data quality controls are applied at every step. So this is, uh, as you can see, a more active model of operating. So is it safe so, to so say then that active is more real time and passive is more static when it comes to your data? Absolutely. So if I were to capture uh, it in a single phrase, I would say that um, active is uh, a real time activity and a continual activity, whereas a passive is more of a batch activity. So Praveen, uh, you, uh, uh, thank you for that great comparison. Um, let's try to go back just a bit so that we don't lose anyone in this conversation. So sure, there's the passive approach, there's the active approach. Um, uh, you uh, described sort of the details of each one. It sounds like active is what everybody would want. I guess it begs the question, why does passive data governance even exist? I think uh, passive data governance exists because uh, um, data governance um, for many organizations, uh, you don't start with data governance. You start with uh, uh, your business operating environment, your systems and so on. And then you sort of adopt data governance as we go along. And uh, quite often it's easier for large organizations to um, limit the scope of uh, um, you know data governance adoption uh, by uh, you know tacking it at the back of say a data warehouse rather than uh, you know doing the hard work of uh, uh, ensuring that all your data at all your touch points uh, is connected together and you have rules that are implemented at every single touch point. Um, and just to give you an idea, I mean, businesses, a, a global bank or a global manufacturing organization can have, um, you know, thousands of systems. Um, and these can span multiple divisions, business units, geographies, legal entities, et cetera. So it is a pretty complex activity in order to tie data coming from all these systems together um, and then to enforce rules uh, along each and every business flow. Um, it is quite a complex endeavor. So um, um, I think organizations oftentimes, um, um, you know, start with passive data governance, but then they run into a problem 
um, because you realize very quickly that there are some um, unique challenges with that approach. Whereas what we promote is, uh, you know, you can uh, you can start with active data governance because today we have the technologies um, available in order to uh, um, initiate your or, or to kickstart your data governance activities uh, in an active model versus, you know, starting with a passive model and then trying to um, um, make it or transition to an active model. Right. So just, uh, you know, um, it sounds very much like, uh, like you said, this, this active model is certainly the, the, the way to go, but then it's really not as simple as that, right? I mean, you have, we've talked about this at length on the show, just the, the complexity and just the many, many systems and applications that uh, large organizations uh, have. And therefore this concept of, quality in data is often a lot more uh, difficult to attain than, um, you know, just having a sort of a, an approach word, you know what I mean? Meaning that it, it's not that simple. Sure, of course, everybody wants it's the not. best, but then it just really is not that easy, right? Exactly, it's not. And um, I think we should uh, definitely look into this, uh, just peel out one more layer and talk about, um, you know, what are the different kind of inputs that drive effective data governance? And then, you know, slowly we'll, we'll soon uncover the answer to as to why active data governance is more difficult. So um, if you, you know, if you look at what are the, th what are the different inputs needed for effective data governance primarily? Um, the first one is a, you need a data catalog, which is essentially a repository that manages um, critical data elements. And this is the terminology that's used industry-wide. Um, and um, you know, a critical data element is um, a piece of data. It could be a report. It could be a number like a value at risk, um, which is very important to the business uh, from a data governance perspective. Um, so uh, you need a repository uh, where you have um, uh, details about this critical data element um, stored. So what is a list of all the items that are critical to me as a business? Uh, what do they mean? So um, that enables uh, everyone across the business uh, to speak a common language. So that's why you have a business glossary as part of the data catalog, saying what does each term mean? Um, what do you mean by um, a trade allocation? What do you mean by a payment instruction? What do you mean by a settlement, um, you know, a trade being settled? Right. Uh, so all these are terms that can be easily defined in a um, in a um, business glossary. Also, terms uh, that have um, um, quantitative um, um, value, you know, things like value at risk, um, things like uh, you know um, credit exposure, uh, things like notional. You know, and there's, uh, depending on the industry, uh, you can have various such. Um, terms that make up your set of critical data elements. So you need a data catalog, that's point number one. Um, you also need to show uh, the lineage between all of these different uh, data elements. How are they related to each other? Um, so typically when you have a data catalog, you have uh, um, um, uh, an accompanying feature um, called data lineage that shows the relationship between um, these data elements. Um, 
so that's that's one input. Um, the other input is uh, metrics, data quality metrics, because um, you know just uh, tracking what the key uh, data elements are and their relationship with each other uh, is not enough, right? So you need certain metrics in order to measure how you're doing with respect to the quality of data. So data quality metrics like accuracy, completeness, and timeliness, um, all of those metrics are important. Um, and all of these go hand in hand. So for example, if you're calculating value at risk, um, and if you're not including all possible sources of that risk, then that value of uh, at risk figure is inaccurate as well as incomplete. Uh, similarly, if you're calculating the value at risk, uh, you know, over two days, whereas you're supposed to report it on a daily basis, then the timeliness suffers uh, and the value of that particular critical data element reduces. So uh, tracking these data quality metrics is um, important um, and hence data quality metrics is the second type of input that drives effective data governance. And then the third one, is uh, the actual rules, we call them controls, so the data quality controls. So um, we talked about timeliness, accuracy, completeness. Now, what makes a data element accurate? You know, what makes it complete? Um, or what makes it um, available on a timely basis? So there are rules that govern these, and these are what we call as um, data quality controls. So for example, uh, you know, were ledger updates performed within a specified time? You know, were trades in a specific portfolio compressed or allocated or settled um, within a specified time? Um, so these are governed by uh, business rules, and we call them data quality controls. So uh, again, to uh, to summarize, there are three um, inputs that drive effective data governance. Um, data catalog, um, data quality metrics, and um, data quality controls. And then um, having uh, or rather adopting an active model of data governance means you have to have a combination of all three inputs um, that drive your data governance initiative. Otherwise, uh, you risk uh, getting suboptimal results from your data governance process. That's why active data governance is pretty hard. No, this is great. And for those of us who are interested in hearing more about these inputs, we're definitely going to cover it more in part two of this podcast. Um, but kind of transitioning, there are a few data governance tools out there. But I'm wondering what exactly does PureNova's Cuneiform platform offer and maybe what makes it unique? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when we talk about uh, data governance tools, right, uh, with the prevalence of uh, big data, machine learning, um, with the um, organizations out there wanting to treat data as assets. Um, there is a rush uh, for many vendors to enter this data governance market, and there are quite a few competent vendors out there, but I think we have a um, winning differentiation in this aspect. Um, and I'll go about it in a little more detail. I know that we are almost out of time, so maybe um, some more elaboration in the next podcast. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of the tools out there, um, you know, as I, I mentioned, the three inputs, uh, they all offer a, uh, uh, you know, some variation of a data catalog. So they have a data, uh, um, they have a, a business glossary, they have a dictionary, uh, data dictionary, 
they also have uh, you know event lineage uh, functionality but what they lack is the ability to effectively implement the third input which is uh, you know comprehensive and complex data quality controls um, usually uh, what they would do is they would have a platform um, that will enable you to assign owners data stewards uh, define policies um, define the data elements and the lineages uh, but then they would rely on the customer to go and either build their own um, data quality engine or then um, go and try and retrofit some other data um, rules engine um, and then that particular rules engine would feed the data quality metrics they would implement the rules and they would feed the data quality metrics to um, their data catalog whereas what we do is we offer a single platform that does all three so we could um, we can create a data catalog um, we can track data quality metrics, and then we have a very flexible way, um, and we call it a zero-code platform. Without writing a single line of code, we can implement complex controls um, uh, in our platform um, that are applicable for um, a wide variety of use cases. So that's our main differentiation. Um, that's great. And I know we talked about a lot of different things. So, uh, again, thanks for putting all this 411 on us, as they say, um, <laughs> for, for <laughs> those of you who don't know what 411 is, as that's the number you used to dial in to get a phone number <laughs> or information <laughs> that just gave away, my age. but anyway, <laughs> um, but, but Praveen, I think it, you know, I, I like to kind of uh, summarize what we've discussed. And again, uh, we'd love to have you again soon so we could talk about these, uh, these topics a little bit more. But um, I think it's important that uh, people understand the difference between an active versus a passive data governance model. Uh, it's not that one necessarily is, it's not like one necessarily has a choice. It's more about implementation and how much, um, how much of this uh, governance is an afterthought, if that makes sense? So uh, what we offer, which, um, as you mentioned, is very unique in this, is that, first of all, it's offering several functionalities into a single tool, but also allows this unif unification or a unified approach to this uh, extremely important challenge. So, um, you know, we will dive a little bit more into this, but uh, once again, thank you so much for making the time to uh, jump on this call with us. Thank thanks, you. Praveen. Thank you. So as always, thanks for listening to Digital Switch. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service or digitalswitch.show. You can also access additional content on our resources page at purenova.com or follow us on Twitter at Purenova Inc. Stay safe, stay healthy, everyone, and have a great week.